In these uncertain days, there is a person who offers peace. His name is Jesus. People from all walks of life are gathering in his house to hear from him. It's time for you to join the movement. Acts chapter 3 and verse 17 together. Let me pick it up in verse, 13, uh, verse 17 of chapter 3. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Isn't that wor worth repenting? That your sins would be forgiven and that you'd be brand new in the Lord Jesus Christ. That happened to me many years ago. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Now, that's his second coming. Whom heaven must receive, that's Acts chapter 1 verse 11, must receive unto the time of his restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets. Now, listen to this. Long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. You see, when Jesus came, he was the fulfillment of what Moses said. And so people were coming to the Lord in great numbers. Jewish people coming to the Lord. Gentiles, Samaritans coming to the Lord. These crowds had gathered around Jesus. But if you remember, the religious leaders hated him because they didn't believe he was Yeshua. He was not the Messiah. So they had killed him, but God had raised him from the dead. And so these could not do anything but preach. And the scripture says this in verse 23, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And so there's this debate. And all the prophets who had spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. Verse 25, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers. In other words, you're Jewish people. Saying to Abraham, this is back from Genesis 12, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now watch this. God having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by the turning every one of you from your wickedness. He said, God sent Jesus to the Jew first that you turn, but someday we're going to take this all to the Gentiles. It will come in a few years. Now, you would have expected in that moment, in that wonderful time, that great things would have happened, and it did. The Scripture says, and as they were speaking to the people, remember now, they're in the temple. There's thousands probably there in the temple seeing all this as they're speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple. The priests were those who were responsible to religiously shepherd and lead the people. They had long since walked away from God. So they brought with them the captain. In other words, Rome had given them soldiers to, to make sure the Jews would stay in place as they should. And then the Sadducees, they were the liberal side of the theology in that day. They didn't believe in the, in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels at all. And the scripture says they were greatly encouraged. It doesn't say that, does it? Greatly annoyed. Anybody ever been greatly annoyed? Don't raise your hand when I'm preaching that way. Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And notice what it said, and they arrested them and put them in custody unto the next day, for it was already evening. Can anybody remember last week when Ovi shared with us? If you were here or watched us, how that he said that one Sunday morning they got a call from that little village. Uh, somebody had a cell phone in that little village and said, don't come today because if you do, they're going to kill you. I, I thought about that the, so much this week. And I want to ask you this question. Why in the world would someone get mad and annoyed if you told them about Jesus? Why would anybody be upset when you're doing what is right and, and righteousness and injustice in the kingdom of God? Why would people get upset? 
Today, I want to focus on that with you as we continue to join the movement. I want to talk with you about, notice this, seeing the battle for what it is. Seeing the battle for what it is. Notice this on the screen. Here's the first slide. I want you to see this. Sometimes things in this life fail to make sense when they happen. Is that true? Some of you are going through things right now in your life that maybe just doesn't make sense. You're giving your all to God. You're working. You're living. And it just seems like things are not making sense at all. Look with me in the next verse. The Bible says, when they had arrested them, now notice this, they had put them in custody in verse 3 until the next morning, for it was already evening. But watch this. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. How many of you know you can't stop God? Pastor Rick Leeds is saying here that, that nothing is impossible. You cannot stop God because of who he is. But think about this for a moment. There are things that happen in our lives. Now watch this. Look on the screen. That need time to be figured out. Some things in life take a while for you and I to figure them out. You say, what do you mean? Well, look at this. If you were in that place and you were doing what's right, which would you be focusing on afterward? You say, what do you mean? Would you be focusing either over, over I was put in jail or 5,000 men got saved? Which would you be focusing? You know you, right? So you know you. No one in this room knows you better than you, except maybe if you're married, the spouse, or if you have children, they know your coworkers, they know you. So just be honest now. What do you usually focus your life on? I, I came across a quote this week. I saw it several times where I was this week, and I, and I thought, man, this applies to us today. So I wrote down, listen to this, lean into this. It's not on the screen, lean into this. Sometimes when things are falling apart, now hear this, sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. Sometimes when things are falling apart, they may actually be falling into place. Are y'all dead this morning? You should have got that. Some things when they look like they're falling apart, and some of you say, I can identify to that. And the, listen to me, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding if you'll just ask. But if all that we do is have the perspective of what's wrong and not what God's doing through all of that, you will live your life with a cup half empty. You will live your life and miss out on the miracle opportunities that you have to be able to put things in focus and watch this, to see the battle for what it is. I, I meet people often in that way who share with me their stories. Some of them share their stories, Pastor Eric, and they share them in a good way. They say that I've done this, this, and this. And you know yourself, as someone said the other day, when you see somebody's picture on Facebook, they usually don't put the picture on there with their head cut open when they fell, fell down, do they? They just share the good pictures. And listen to me, it's not that they're not bad pictures that, that people don't want to show, but watch this. When you have God and you have the right perspective, you just know that God takes even those bad things and he uses them for good. And so let me ask you this morning, how are you approaching what you're going through? How are you approaching what you're going through? You say, you, you need to get this for a moment. The church was beginning and the devil hated it. Listen to what one, one pastor, he preached a message, a pastor, and he titled it, Staying One Step Ahead of the Devil. And listen to what he said in the message, not on the screen again. When God is your friend, Satan is your enemy. When God is your friend, Satan is your enemy. Have you figured that out yet? The closer that you walk with God, the more you're going to be in a battle. And you have to get that perspective and that picture. I, I remember this summer in student camp, we have a, several of our students here with us right now, many more being the second service. But I remember at the last day of camp, and some of you were there with us in the room, on Friday, they, they got us all together, took a picture. It's actually on our homepage. You can see that on our website. There are about 70, 75 of us there. Sure, and I were standing over on the left side. I, I, I think that, that Mickey had her foot up on Wesley. He was kind of laid down that. And all those kids, and I was thinking on that, 
And here's what I was thinking in that moment. Some of them chose to follow God out of a life of addiction, abuse, changes being made. Right down here is one of those, the change that God has made in these last few months. But I thought this, Lord, as they go home, they have a new enemy. They have a new enemy that's going to come against them. Look what C.S. Lewis says. It's on the, it's on the screen for you. The enemy will, will not see you vanish into God's company without an effort to reclaim you. You need to know that this morning, that he's going to try to reclaim you. And some of you think that you're too old for him to attack. I'm just about finishing the next book that I'm writing, and, and I entitled the book, uh, uh, Too Old to be Tempted, with a question mark. You're never too old to be tempted. You may think that you get to a place that you have arrived. The, the day, when you, if you think that, I'm going to tell you today that the devil has you right where he wants you to be. And for those of you that are going through trials and tribulations, you ought to be celebrating because God is going to do something that he could not do in you if it was all good. Because here's my life. When it's all just good, I have a tendency to get lax and lazy. Anybody else? I don't pray as much. I don't lean in as much. But boys, I'm going through the trials and the tribulations that, that go on in our ministry and our lives together. You lean in. And you learn, and, and God magnifies your life and your ministry. So here's what we're going to learn today. Look on the screen. Acts chapter 4 is going to teach us this. It is a new revelation to new believers. If you're, you're brand new in the faith in the church or online today, you're going to like, man, I, I, I'm happy. I'm at peace in this moment. Praise be unto God that you are, because Christ alone gives peace. But you need to hear this. There will never be a moment on this side of heaven that the world will be in a neutral position. This world will never be in a neutral position. You say, what do you mean? Ephesians 16 through 13, there's always a spiritual warfare going on around you. And some of you may think, I found it. I, I found my sweet spot in my life. And listen, I hope that you have in Christ because that's the only place that you can find peace because this world has no peace. Jesus said, John 16, in this world you have tribulation, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Anybody into this yet, this message yet? Amen. Don't make me have a fit by myself up here, all right? Now, listen to this. Now, you need to hear this. You need to hear this. In this world, you're not going to be in a neutral position. There's always a fight. New believers get that. All those of us who've been in the season for a faith, it's a reminder to us, listen to this, that there are always going to be battles, but God is sovereignly in charge of them. He's not surprised by them. He's not, he's not defeated by them. He's not like, oh, what am I going to do? I've got to help Keith out of his situation. God knows what he's doing. Is this, do you not have the faith to finish right? Do we have the faith to finish this race in the right way, or do we get sidetracked? I see so many, 50% of ministers today who begin ministry never finish. You know why? They get sidetracked. There's a, there's a plethora of Christians here in Jackson, Georgia, that, listen to me, that don't go to church anywhere because they got sidetracked somewhere, and some go to church, but they ain't really there. Can I get an Amen. Because we get sidetracked. So today, all we're going to do is to walk through this and find this loving reminder and also to find this new revelation of what this church did. And that's what the Bible says. Say amen with me. Say amen. So you're still with me. Look in verse number five. On the next day, the rulers and their elders and their scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander. This was all of the high priestly family. And the Bible says, and when they had set them in the midst. Now, that, that's Peter and John. 
Now, I don't know if they went out and got the other apostles. The Bible doesn't tell us. I don't know if the guy's with them. He decided, hey, you heal me. I'm going to go all the way with you. I don't know. The Bible doesn't. But they're there. They bring them out, and they set them in their midst. Now, listen to what the, what the Scripture says. They set them in their midst, and they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? I don't know if you've ever, ever had to sit in a difficult situation. The book 100X Leader that our leadership team is going through, that are being trained in the week. I read it this week, the entire book, and one of the questions was asked in the, in the book was this, uh, what difficult situations do you find yourself in where that it causes pressure to share your faith? Every time I go to the, to the public school to speak in something, I always feel it. When we have the high school team over here, either, either the band or, or we have the football team feeding them, I feel that pressure like, like uh, the devil's like, now you don't need to share Jesus now because these people don't like it. When I'm up, up at City Hall or, or when I'm in the community ministering, when, I, when I'm sometimes asked to do a funeral, somebody I don't know, don't have a clue of a person there, sometimes I'll, I get that feeling, kind of go up my back. Anybody else like that? You kind of you're like, uh, uh, where did that come from, by the way? Didn't come from God. It was the enemy's tactic in that moment. When you're one-on-one -on -one with somebody, you just kind of feel that urge from the Holy Spirit that says, you need to share what's going on in your life and your faith. And the devil says, not now. See, the New Testament church, this was them. This was the first time that Peter, after denying the Lord, watch this, has the opportunity, listen to him, given out of a miracle other than Pentecost to share his faith. So notice what the Bible says in verse 8. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Say filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, two, two, two simple things to lay before you. One is this. The church simply lived out what they had seen and heard. I think sometimes you just make it too hard. I, I actually don't just think, I know you do. You think that you've got to come up with some kind of witty saying. You've got to come up with some type of deep theological truth to attack someone. And God says, no, all you got to do is watch this, to live out what you've seen and heard. So what have you seen this week, my friend? What have you heard this week? What have you been a part of? Listen to me. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Tony Murata was right that when we get saved, we truly have the Holy Spirit. He comes to reside inside of us. Hebrews 5, we, we read it this morning, how the, how the Scripture says that, that we become the temples of the living God. But you, as the temples of the living God, that doesn't mean you speak for God unless you let God do the speaking. Some of you, that's a big deal today because you've been the one doing all the speaking all your life. Can I get an Amen. But how many of us are talking simply as the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you that if we're going to reach this city, we don't need more of my talk or your talk. We need God talk. You say, well, how do I get God talk? You simply share what you've seen and heard. Watch this out of the Word of God and what you've experienced. Psalm 115.1 was one of our readings this coming week. In Psalm 115, it says, God, not to our glory belongs the fame, but to your glory. And so as you read the Word of God, and by the way, as you experience a miracle, if you'd experienced a miracle, you were a part of it, could you tell the story? You wouldn't have a bit of problem with telling the story. If you'd seen God do something in a tragedy, could you not tell the story? And so notice what Peter, the Bible said he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said to the rulers of the people, if, if we're being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed? Now watch what Peter does. Let it be known to all of you. And friend, you can do this. Let it be known to all of you, the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
Sir, why are you the way you are? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why have you been married 30 years? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why are you in a secular school but living for God? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why are you able to overcome drugs and alcohol addiction because of Jesus Christ? Why can you in the midst of hell that everybody else goes under that you go through? How can you be adopted and have the perspective that you have? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You say, well, that's a Sunday school answer. No, it's not. Well, it actually is a Sunday school answer. It's a community group answer. It's a Sunday morning. Listen, it's a Tuesday night when you're in the midst of prayer at 3 a.m. because you got a family member that's dying without Christ and you're pleading for their soul. So he preached Jesus to them in that moment. And notice what the Scripture says here. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Now watch this. By this man... Here before you is standing well because of Jesus. But here's the deal with this. If you find yourself, listen to me, getting in circumstances that you don't understand the purpose, sometimes you'll start sharing things out of your perspective and not God's. You say, what do you mean? Look in verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you. By the way, the writer of Proverbs had predicted that this would happen. We know when you build a building that if you get the stone in the corner right, you can build correctly. But what they did was this. They chose and said, we want the Messiah. They, were, they had built Judaism, and they left the cornerstone out. Doesn't make sense, does it, Brother Henry? You should, that's where you should start. Just like in churches, some churches have a cornerstone. Ours right out here is in the middle of the other building. I thought, kind of thought if I'd go back, if we build another sanctuary at some point, we'll put the stone at the side where it's supposed to be. And so what Judaism had done, they had built this whole religion apart from the Messiah, apart from God the Father, and there it was. And Jesus came and said, let me redeem you and change you, but they rejected him. It's like they took the stone and put it over to the side of the building. And the scripture says here, notice this, the one you rejected, the builder, has become the cornerstone. Now look in verse 12. And there is salvation and no one else. You say, well, why is he so adamant about that? If you grew up in a dead religion and met the true and living God, would you have something to say? Friend, today I find so many churches that are dying with big numbers because people are going and being entertained, but nothing of eternity is happening. I want to ask you today, what of eternity is happening in your life that's got you so encouraged that you would do this, that you would say, when it comes to my life, pastor, there's been salvation in no one. For there's no other name under heaven given where that I was saved but at the name of Jesus. See, that should be your story, your resurrection story. As Tony Murata said, he said, it's the exclusiveness of, of Jesus Christ. It, it would be wrong to say he's not the Lord, right? Because if you had the cure for cancer and it was the only cure for cancer and someone came up to you and said, well, that's kind of arrogant, isn't it? Would you not be doing people a disservice if you said there's some other medicine that doesn't work? Why is it that today we've seen gifts that have nothing to do with God? We come to Christmas, has nothing to do with God. Easter has nothing to do with God. All these holidays has nothing to do with God. And we tag God on the end of it. But people's lives who've been changed like yours and mine, we have a story to tell. You say, well, what happened? Verse 13, and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, you see that boldness? This guy who had 50 days earlier, even a little girl, had asked him, did he, was he one of the followers? And he denied him in front of a little girl. But now he's courageous in God. This is, they saw the boldness, but I love this next part, Brother Rick. They, 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 they perceived 
that they were uneducated, that they were common men. Any people uneducated in the eyes of the world, listen to me, I'm not against education. I have a master's degree and would love to have a doctor degree if I had the time to do that. I believe in education. It's important. If you can get education in your life, get all that you can get and get it in a can and can some more if you can for the glory of God. But when he said they were uneducated, it was like this. We, we, we were raised in the synagogue. We sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the greatest of, of, the, of the priests and the greatest of the Pharisees. You were not in his class. You did not go to Sunday school with us. You were not in Awana. You were, you were not in First Kids. You, you were not a part of a VBS. You were in none of these things. You have no rite of passage. But they couldn't figure it out. And I tell you today that God is raising up in America a generation, a generation of people who are again are saying, Lord, I'm going to see and share the love that I have with you that is found in your word and through the preaching of the word of God. Do you know, do you know this, that there is more hope for this generation than you can imagine? Because this generation is a generation of young people that are coming up. They're saying, I want to make a difference. And they're open to hear what made a difference in you. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? They're open to want to know, Miss Diane, what difference did God make in your life? So today, friend, if the world goes to hell in America, we cannot lay it at the feet of a president or a previous president or at the feet of government of anyone. We'll have to lay it at our doorstep because God has favored us in the midst of the most difficult time. An opportunity for you and I to invest what we simply have seen and heard. And all you got to do is be with Jesus. Be with Jesus. So were you with Jesus all week? He's everywhere present. Preacher, you know I'm with Jesus. Now, that's true. But there's a difference in being in the presence than actually talking to. Am I right? There's a difference in, than, than, than just being there and, and there is, and then the intimacy with people. You know, some of you listen to this. Instead of taking one step toward Jesus, every time he gets closer, you just fall back away. I know why. You don't want to suffer. I get it. That's why I waited, Brother Randall, until I was 21 to surrender to preach. I didn't want to go through what I thought I'd have to go through. I didn't want to leave my family. I didn't want to go back to school. I didn't want to be poor. I didn't want to be treated the way some people treat you. I didn't want to live thousands of miles or hundreds of miles away from my family and as I do now and just see them once a year at times. See, I get it, but I found out something along the journey that when you begin to see what he does and what he can do for others, how could you not want to serve him? And I want to tell you, for these years of my life, I wouldn't trade them. Sitting looking at my wife, who's as beautiful as she was the day I married her, if not more so. And Brother Rick, had I not seen Jesus, that would have never happened. And friend, I don't know how much life you have left, but don't live it in a vacuum of not knowing why you're going through what you're going through. Don't live it in the vacuum of what if. Don't live it in fear and frustration and fatigue. All of us today could come up here and gripe for the whole rest of the day. Can I get an amen? But what good would that be? 
All of us could mourn and weep, and there are times for that. But friend, today, God has given you his son, Jesus Christ. He's given you the Holy Spirit if you're saved. You have the opportunity. Now watch this. Here's the second point. The church trusted that God knew what he was doing. The church trusted that God knew what he was doing. They put them out of the room, and for time's sake, the scripture says that they said, what are we going to do? These leaders said, what are we going to do? There's a notable miracle, and the guy's here, and they fear. And they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to intimidate them. So they brought them back into the room, and they said, now, Peter and John, don't you ever share again in this name of Jesus. Like, yeah, that's going to work. But in America today, listen to me, just the hint of, of, listen, of a lawsuit keeps you quiet. Just the thought that maybe you might have it hard keeps you from doing what you know to do. Can I tell you, I've never been poor. That never happened to me. In my first church, we didn't have two nickels to rub together in our salary, but my kids wore the best of clothes because people in our church were just loving and kind. Can I tell you, I've never been beaten. Can I tell you that, that, that I've never been through what the devil told me that I would go through? I've been through a lot, Brother Danny, you and I in our time together. I mean, there's, you go through trials and tribulations, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. It's not what the devil lies to you about. He has a plan for you. You may be going through a sickness right now. Listen to me. Listen to me. I know this sounds foolish, but do your best to enjoy the time. And so in verse 20, look at what they said to them. Uh, Peter responded, or actually verse 19, Peter responded, said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So what have you seen and what have you heard here the economy is going astray, and they, they've, they've raised the interest rate, so I better quit tithing. Friend, let me tell you something. You, you just, the devil just lied to you. I can't afford not to give. One amen. <laughs> oh, preacher, uh, uh, Christianity, by 2070, it will, will be less, we'll be the least populous in all of America unless, friend, we have revival. And I believe that we're coming to that in this nation. And some of you are whatever. I don't know what your thing is that the devil's pouring into you. But listen to this. The church trusted that God knew what he was doing. Say, how do you know that? Because when they left, after they threatened them, the Bible says in verse 23, when they released, they went to a prayer meeting. Not a pouting meeting, not a hiding meeting. They went, they went, and they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in it. Now watch their faith. God, you brought me to this. For the, your servant David said by the Holy Spirit, he's quoting from Psalm 2, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were together gathered against the Lord, against his anointed. If you read on in Psalm 2, it says that God sits in the heavens and he laughs. You have cancer. Could you laugh? Hmm. You lost your job? had to go through a divorce that you didn't cause? Your parents split up? Can you sit in the heavens with the Lord and realize that by faith you can, you can fight through it? See, I think that for many of us, the reason that we don't do great things in the kingdom of God is because we're not willing to hurt. And friends, I want to tell you this today, that God has a great future for you, and it may be in the form of suffering. No one in their right mind 
is going to say, God, I want to hurt. But when God brings it, sovereign Lord, for truly in this city they're gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan have, listen, is predestined to take place. He said, God, they said, God, we know that Jesus died according to your plan, not because of Pilate. See, I won't die and you won't die one moment before God's through with us. I'll have food on my table till I die. I'll have breath in my body till I die. Why? Because God has promised. And I can have peace in the midst of every storm because God has promised. Now, look, Lord, now look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Did you hear that, my friend? Warren Worsby said this, they did not pray to have their circumstances changed or their enemies put out of office. Rather, they asked God to empower them to make the best use of their circumstances to accomplish what had already he had determined. They were not fatalistic. They were men of faith and women of faith, and the world was better because of them. And friend, today the world is better because you and I have figured it out, and we see the battle for what it is. So here's you say, what can I take home, Keith? Look at this. Satan hates the people of God. Be ready. Are you? Be ready. Take up the armor of God and be ready when it comes. Secondly, notice, trust the battles he places in you. Trust the Lord at all times. Let his praises be in your mouth. I have not a clue what God will do tomorrow, but I have a clue that God knows exactly what he's going to do tomorrow. Thirdly, I'd say this, don't give up in your battles. It's always hard. It's just before the victory. Thank you for joining the movement. We hope that you would reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions and check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.